0: Welcome to Stories in Public Health. I'm your host, Emily Dieter, and this is a podcast for people who are interested in public health or new to the field. And today I am with Dr. Robin Littlewood, who is the CEO of Health and Wellbeing Queensland. Thank you for joining me, Robin. Oh, thank you for inviting me, it's my pleasure. Um, could you maybe start by telling us what Health and Wellbeing Queensland do, what their function is?
1: Okay, so we are we are
0: pretty new. We've been going now since July
1: 2019, so really really new in Queensland. We are a brand new stat body and really looking at prevention. So the way that we can bring every everybody together, everybody together within the state government, everybody together within local within federal federal government, everybody that wants to make a difference, I guess around health. To me, this is around partnerships, this is around chronic disease prevention, obesity prevention and just better lives. So there's a lot of focus on chronic diseases? Lots, lots yeah. at the moment and really thinking about things like obesity first I think and th- and thinking about the way that we can support communities and support the mums and dads as well about the way that we can live better and live longer and healthier as well.
0: And why is that important now for you to exist in Queensland at the moment? Look, I
1: think that we have just done this at exactly the right time for me. I mean, uh, back when we began, back in 2019, I remember thinking, you know, obesity affects two in three adults and one in one in four kids. And in America, it's even worse than that. And so for us thinking about the people that that affects, that's just about all of us when you think about it. So whether it's, you know, if it's not you then it's a friend of yours or it's your mum or your dad or your kids or someone and there's you know there's just no better time to do this and now thinking about there's this global pandemic that just overlays everything else that just makes it harder for all of us it's just you know right right now is where it's at and I just think this is just perfect timing for Queensland.
0: So you're about bringing people together, what are some of the programs you've got in place? And I guess, so I have a lot of questions, but yeah, what that's are some okay. of the, I guess, for children and adults, sort of risk factors and what are the, some of the things that work? Do we know what works yet? We know the things, well, we know some of the things that work
1: and we know some of the things that, that don't, which is one of the most important things. So because we've got some really, really clever people, some really great researchers, but really great research partners as well, we can then look at the look at the things that worked, look at the things that didn't and why. That's really, really, really important. I think in Queensland and in anywhere, we tend to do things well, really, really, really well, but we don't tend to look at the things that don't work and why. And so thinking about the way that you can collect the data, put it into a research frame as well and really really interrogate it, and really think about the things that work and the things that don't and why so for us first of all first First Nations comes first we know that there's a health gap there and that is critical we know that we've got a huge role to play there so really we support some of the programs that are there now so Deadly Choices is one of those and gee they do an amazing job so we don't blunder in and we don't go hey we think you've got to eat more you know, you've got to eat more veggies and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. Sure, that's all right. But at the same time, we go into communities, look at the things that work now and really support and elevate that. We've got a list of the partners that we now support. Uh, we've got Deadly Choices, My Health for Life, uh, Queensland Country Women's Association, COST, which is uh, Queensland Association of School Tuck Shops, Jamie's Ministry of Food. We just have the most amazing partners, some that you might know, 10,000 staff as well that gets us out and gets us walking and just supporting us in every day. We support those that support communities but they're from the local communities as well.
0: So I might just take a step sideways now and ask about how you came to be here so you trained in nutrition your PhD was in nutrition that's right right,
1: that's right and
0: how did you decide on that have you always had an interest in
1: nutrition I am the person who you just can't put in a box I just think you know it's so it's so much easier to but for me I've done so much and I just love learning I am that person who is still at uni and have been for many many years and I like the people as well and connection so for me at the beginning I, I did science I didn't know what I was going to do so I did science like my friends did science I thought you know that's that, that's going to be me I liked it I did psych as well through that and I just I really loved it, that and found people so interesting and in the reasons why they made decisions around the things that they did whether it be around the people that they connected with the friends they had the food they you know that always just I could just sit and watch people forever (laughs) that sounds really strange but it's true did my did my science degree and then I did lots and lots of sport so I used to love sport I used to I used to compete in sport and every single type of sport I just loved it because you were just around the people but not the lone sports it was the ones that I had to be a part of the team from there um, finished finished science doing lots of sport and then I fell into nutrition and just saw this and started started seeing a dietitian because of some of the sports and I thought I want to do sports this is me I want to do sports I want to do nutrition I want to do performance sports this this is just great so I got into the course and I didn't I didn't get in easily to the course so back then there was 25 places in Queensland and I think I was number number 26 and I used to phone the universities to phone the University of Queensland every day and QUT <laughs> every day and say hey Am I in? Am I in? No, Robin not in. Am I in? No, you're not in, Robin. Am I in? So I've always been that person that I didn't I didn't care. Rang and then finally in week two, somebody dropped out. So I got in I got into the course and i absolutely loved it so i loved every single bit of it but then it was just that was just the learning as well for me so i did a i did a placement at the royal kids i loved every single part about the way that you could help kids and families and mums and dads and that real sort of clinical lens which i didn't even think about before when did that and there was no turning back i was never going back to sports after that i had to stay at the hospital <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love that story because sometimes I hear people say, "I've always known," and that wasn't the case for me. It's, no, it's not at all. It's good for people to know that you can take a different route and figure it out as you go. I say that to my kids as well because they've sort of stopped and started
1: and doing and doing different things. And I've got very, very different kids. Very different kids. And I, I just I've said to them, "I didn't I didn't know until I found it." And dietetics for me it can lead you to everything you can just do just about anything in your life so I've just I've just loved what I've done but there was certainly no big plan although I'd love to say
0: there was <laughs> I'm glad because I don't have a big plan good <laughs> good <laughs> and how did your leadership journey emerge so you were, you were doing clinical practice but now you're the CEO so I imagine that's a very different role there's probably steps in between
1: oh there's steps in between and there's lots of really long long days and really difficult days and conversations and things as well that just makes you grow and makes you grow up really really fast. I became a director fairly young I think and when I became a director I loved it so there was these people around me that were that were really smart and smarter than me and I just thought if I can just connect them in the right place and I just think if there's anything that there's lots of things that I can't do but if I can do anything well it's knowing where people where they should be and what they're really really good at and often when they don't actually know it so connecting them with the things that they could do and for me there's nothing better when they come back to me and they say Rob never thought I could do that in my whole life and I've come back and I've done this. So leadership to me was just a gift. It sounds like you're a good leader. I haven't heard anyone speak of it like that. It's fun, but it's really hard and it takes so much time. So it's it's not, a, I'm just going to be the director and I'm going to go and I'm going to you know tell them what to do. It's really important to put in the time and to spend the time. And I think with every single person here now, we've got about 60, 60 odd staff here now. I want to know each and every single one of them as we get bigger, it's harder, but I want to know, what do they need what do they need to be an amazing expert a leader whatever they want to do or where I feel that they are really really good and they can do more and I really like to push you out of your comfort zone you can ask anyone
0: (laughs) yeah everyone who listens to the podcast knows I get scared very easily but I still just do things anyway yeah yeah I think I'm the same yeah and how do you I have two questions do you still have any time for clinical practice or is it full time so I finished
1: clinical practice only about a year ago I did that a year ago because I felt I was, that was so important to me and to get it right for me was to take the phone calls, to take, to make sure I connected them right, to make sure that I referred the families correctly and things as well and you can't half do that. So for me I thought I've really got to think about the way that instead of trying trying to help a family, to try to help a state, I've got to try to help those to do that. So that was really sad for me because it was my favourite, my favourite part of my job my life was to sit and to hear these kids and the mums and dads say this is this is hard and for me to try to help them and for them to come back and to tell me that I had helped them was great for me nothing better.
0: So then you've started working here and it's 2019 and your focus is preventative health and then the COVID pandemic (laughs) has come along so what's it been like working the preventative space in the middle of a pandemic? Okay that's (laughs) that's a really hard question I've got to say it's really interesting and
1: really exciting and really fun and really frightening all at the same time so I think the responsibility of this of this job hits me every day because even though I know that there's the COVID thing and that's exceptionally important and we've all got to be vaccinated and we've all got to do the right thing and I think that Jeanette Young does an amazing job every day I think We knew that obesity was here before that. We know that obesity, we're absolutely sure that it's going to be worse through and throughout this and later on as well. So we've taken this as an opportunity for us to stop and really get ready for what the next year or years is going to be like so we can prepare the state for everything that's coming. So the COVID thing that's here and that's huge and that's impacting everything, but it's those long-term effects that we've got to think about and that we've got to ensure that everybody's, everybody's ready and everybody's supported to do that and that's our job.
0: And what are some of the long-term impacts? I should know this, but I haven't actually read anything. Has the pandemic increased people's weight gain or decreased physical activity? It has.
1: It has. So I know that throughout the US, the papers are just starting to come through now, and they're really, they're probably worse than what we thought, especially for our kids. So I know Anecdotally here the schools are saying that they've got to get the uniforms in at a bigger size now for that age group which we've never sort of heard of before so that's all new. At the same time though the CDC in America has come back and quoted some amazing rises in obesity rates and that was in adolescent boys have come back and they're really really high and they're you know we've not had a spike for a long time and I think for Australia that's not here at the moment we've not measured that at the moment but my thought is that that's absolutely coming
0: and what can we do so I have a two-year-old I told you before yeah yeah lovely uh, so what, what's important for our kids obviously eating right and exercise but what are the some of the more I guess structural or what are some of the things that are impacting this epidemic in kids of obesity I
1: think that for us it's the language and I think it's the messaging that we've got to be really, really aware of. I think we've got it so wrong in the past. I think that especially in the media, there's so much... There's a lot of blame around obesity, and if you're a good mum and dad, you're going to have to do this right, or you're going to have to think about obesity, or you're going to, you know, there's no blame to this at all. So this is about the way that we can influence things like the current environment, so that we can look at the way that we can support the mums and dads in a really positive way, so that they can get their kids thinking about the way that they like, they like sport, that they like food that's better for them. But it's certainly not about being negative and, you know, going you can't eat that. There's you you know that's really bad for you but parents do it because they love their kids i've never ever met a parent that is badly intended ever it's about the way that we can support the mums and dads and really really empower them so that they can send the right messages as well yeah I haven't really heard people talk about like that and there is a lot of judgment when you become so much judgment yeah so so much judgment does your kid not sleep overnight yet are you not still breastfeeding are you not you know we always want to do the right thing but often it's hard to but there's things that we can do to make sure that we can support the mums and dads in a really good positive way certainly not negative
0: blame never works by the way never I do try and remember that in life but I'm obviously not in preventative health I'm in infectious diseases so I'm just curious how, as twofold so as public health researchers or the public or community how can we support you and your mission
1: I think it's really important first of all that we've got to work together And I don't think that we have done that very well in the past. I think it's really important for anything that we do, whether it be around looking at the current environment. So whether it be around looking at the walking tracks or looking at some shade or looking at the way that we can influence food and the choices and things as well. We've got to actually do it together. So we've got to do it with consumers. We've got to ask people, what do they want? What's the current issues for them? Because we might come in from Brisbane and we might say, well, we're going to have to remove food from the vending machines and we're going to have to do this but you might have consumers that go actually that that's going to be really really hard for us so it's so important for a us to be working together because obesity and chronic disease affects so many of us so we can't we can't do this on our own we've got to use our friends our partners we've got to leverage every single thing we can number two is about training and education it is so important for mums and dads and for kids and for the teachers and clinicians as well the doctors they're not trained in this to make sure that they know the words the words to use how to raise the topic of obesity and do it in a positive way because you can do that it's just so important for us to train to build capability and to build everybody's I guess resilience a little bit so that they feel that they can they can feel the confidence of raising the topic of obesity and making sure that they feel that they can get it right now I've been training the dietitians for a very long long time maybe 20 something years and it's The one thing, they're very, they're very smart. (laughs) They're very, very smart. The doctors are very, very smart and nurses are very, very smart. But they're not trained in this. And so often we get it completely wrong. We don't go in and we don't do it the right way. So we've got to ensure the universities train our staff, train our students to make sure that they can think about obesity, that they can think about chronic disease, that they can think about the way that they can treat it, but that they can raise it as well. So whether you're a teacher who's struggling too with with this, with kids in your class, what can they do? What can they say to the mums and dads? What can they say to the kids? What can they access as well to make sure that they've got that help?
0: And is that some of the plans here? Yes, absolutely.
1: We're doing a lot here at the moment. We're doing a lot so that we can support the doctors, so that we can support First Nations communities, tuck shop conveners, which I absolutely love, going in and listening to the way that they absolutely want to do the right thing. They want to make money at the same time, Mm -hmm. but they want the best for their kids and for their schools as well.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of different factors that go into it, aren't there?
1: So many, I think, but the more that you can train and the more that you can empower – the more change that you can get. And I guess one of the most important things for us is we've got to go out there and we've got to actually listen. So it's not, like I said, going out from Brisbane and going and saying, you're gonna to have to do this, but making sure that we understand the needs of communities, listening, shutting up for just, for just a second, and even me shutting up for just a second, and just listening to the things that are really, really important there. The things that they need, as well as the things that they want, otherwise they're never going to engage ever
0: and so you've taken the time out to do this podcast which is lovely but you do a lot of media I do and so we sort of talked about that a lot of us find that difficult myself included Absolutely. so I guess I have two questions as why that's important but also how I think it's something we don't necessarily do well in science is that communication with the public so why is it important and do you have any tips for some of us who perhaps aren't great at it <sighs>
1: Oh, okay so one of the biggest tips for me is you're just going to have to do it you're going to have to get some you have to get some training you have to get some professional training because it is probably one of the most important things that I have ever done in my life so I've done a masters of medical science and I've done a PhD and I've done an MBA and I've done lots and lots of things that have been really hard, but talking to the media is probably the hardest, I think, for me, and that's because I think that you've got to try to get the message right and you've got to understand the people that you are talking to. So I've been told in the past you are so serious. You and I'm the most unserious person in the whole world, but I'm so serious about my job. This is so important, and I just congratulate Queensland every day for getting this so right. We can actually change the health of Queensland. But saying that if we don't get out and we don't engage and people don't know us and we don't have the visibility and the trust as well, then we can just go back home. I think for us, we've got the science, we've got the really amazing brains, we've got the really, really amazing partnerships. The School of Public Health is absolutely one of those, really important to us. So we've got the brains there. At the same time, we don't have, we've got to ensure that we've got that visibility as well. And so that's on me as well, to ensure we can talk to the kids and we can talk to the families and we can talk to communities and we can talk to regional communities and we can talk to First, to First Nations communities that we can talk to people in aged care as well and get them moving get them going get them thinking about themselves as well and media media does that and I guess that for me the biggest learning for me was I just thought that that was I was just never going to be good at that anyway but I can write and that's okay and I can get up and talk and that's okay and I can understand the science and I can write publications and things and I get the people around me I can do that right at the same time media wasn't for me. Well, that's a really bad attitude in media. (laughs) I, I actually love it. At the same time, it scares me more than anything else. So it's so important for you to just, for you to do more, for you to actually practice every day in front of the mirror. I know that we don't get taught that enough. And I know that you feel absolutely stupid for any sort of, for any sort of students, for anyone, whether you're a minister, whether you're a student, whether you're a premier, whether you're anything, you know, get up there and practice. Now we've got a premier now who can do that I mean I don't know if you know you see her speak every day she speaks beautifully you know, every day. And you think we've got to be doing the same thing. We've got to just get up there and we've got to do it in front of the mirror, in front of, you, in front of your mums and dads. I talk in front of my husband and kids all the time and say, listen, this is my speech. And I can tell you in front of them, I get more feedback.
0: <laughs> well, those are the people you want to reach, not necessarily health professionals. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And so really understanding that is key. And I didn't understand that for a long time.
0: I think also what I'm hearing you say is you really remember your mission about why you're actually doing why it. Why am I here?
1: Yeah. Why am I here? Why am I here? It's my job to yeah. do this. So I'm just I'm just gonna have to just gonna have to do it and it's really hard and I do it every day and
0: I find it hard every day, but it's really important. I do think practice helps. I've been doing the podcast for about three years now and it still scares me, but it gets a little bit easier. A
1: little bit easier <laughs> every day. At some point then we might just get up and go, this is really easy.
0: I don't know if that's ever going to oh, happen. Let me know if that ever
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and yeah.
0: ditto. <laughs> um, and so I'm just conscious of time. So a few last questions. Mm. If someone's sort of sitting doing an MPH or a science degree and they're mm. not really sure what they want to do, do you have any kind of suggestions about early career steps or advice for them? Okay, number 1, relax. I see a lot of
1: us put so much pressure mm-hmm. on ourselves and I see a lot of a lot of the students as well. And I love students. They keep me completely young. So they're really really clever, but if there's one thing I can say, they get very very intense and very very worried. So stop, relax a little bit. For me, it was just doing. So just going out and doing and feeling really uncomfortable, but really going and going and doing a clinical Placement, or maybe going and doing some volunteer work, but just getting out and seeing and seeing the world. You know, you just don't know what you don't know, and I, I just didn't know that. I learn every single day on the job. There's so many things that I don't know. So get out there and just do, and it will come to you. It will. But just relax into it. Life here. I mean, look at Queensland. I'm looking out at the sun at the moment. We are so lucky here. So just enjoy life. We're in the middle of a pandemic at the moment. So look. Look after yourself, look after your family, look after your kids, look after your mum and dad and it will come to you eventually. It may not be tomorrow, it may not be the next year but just it will come. I promise you I've got boys like I said and I've got one doing engineering, one doing nursing and one's doing carpentry and the three of them are just incredibly different I'm so proud of them but they've all sort of been a little bit intense and they've thought they're gonna they're gonna have to sort it absolutely
0: not I'm still I'm still trying to sort what I'm doing yeah <laughs> I'm definitely guilty of that when I was younger, being very intense. But I think yeah. I've, I've calmed down a little bit as I've gotten older. It's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> you're very calm, by the way. You're oh, very thank you. calm. Yeah, you're very this good at this. Probably not not the case a couple of years ago. <laughs> and are there any uh, sort of last messages or big things that I haven't asked you that you wanted to highlight or touch on?
1: Two things, I think, health and wellbeing Queensland is just one of the most important things that we can do in Queensland. I think uh, we're a stat body, so we can work really, really well, really quickly and I know it's a pivot word but we actually can the agility that we've got in the leadership now the board the board that we've got is really amazing we can actually do the work we can pull in the partners and we can work with those communities that need it the most and I have never seen that before so I'm really I'm really really excited about that number two for our um, students and clinicians and anyone else just back yourself So one thing I think I did late in life I think I've always worked really hard and I think I've got in qualifications now and I, I think I've got five or six and I, I think I'm doing my wow. seventh at the moment but that was me trying to learn more trying to understand the things that I that I didn't know but I didn't back myself at the same time so understanding you understanding the things that actually drive you for me it's people i couldn't love people more empowerment for me is the most important thing and know that you know it's okay to make a mistake i've made lots of them it's the way that you position yourself afterwards so understand the things that are really really important to you and direct life to that you know you need right now we've got to be we've got to be thinking about ourselves a little bit as well we've got to be thinking about the things that really really drive us and are really really meaningful for us but really back yourself in because I just wish that someone told me that about 30 years ago.
0: That is a hard thing to do though. It's a really hard
1: thing to do I'm fully I'm fully exposed now so I'm doing it right now and let's hope it
0: goes okay. Just one last question because you were talking about all the the study how do you fit everything in you sound so busy.
1: I'm really really busy I think I don't really know the answer to that. I really enjoy what I do. I think that's the answer. I just don't feel that I, I don't feel that I work. I feel that everything I do, I love. I go for a run during the day. I study, I study the things that I love as well. I am around the people that I love. I, you know, around my kids who I, who I love. It's just, I feel if you love the things you do. And I know that old saying, you'll never, you'll
0: never work a day in your life. And I completely agree with that. No, I I get that. That's exactly how I feel about work. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. This
1: is so much fun for me. There's nothing better. And now I've done my media for the day. Okay, so I've got it out the way. That's good. (laughs) And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you.